Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Could there be major changes coming to the Supreme Court? President Biden's Supreme Court Commission has released its first findings uh, with some things that progressives may not like so much and uh, might make some other folks worried in terms of what they didn't say in the report. But could all of this drive to remake the highest court in the land really be masking some more important issues? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Well, with this release of this first report from President Biden's Supreme Court Commission, there's a lot to digest and break down. And Anthony Markham from the R Street Institute joins us now to discuss the commission's findings and recommendations, as well as what comes next. Anthony, welcome back to the program. Thank you for having me. All right. So as you uh, read through the report here, of course, I think the thing that was on everyone's mind was, you know, will there be a, a formal recommendation to expand the court, uh, creating opportunities for presidents of either political party to really pack the court? What did the commission say? Well, in short, the answer the answer is no. You're not going to see a recommendation from this commission. And the preliminary report, which was released yesterday, and a formal, more final report, which will be released next month, you're not going to see an endorsement for court packing or expanding the size of the Supreme Court. Of course, this commission has 36 members on it, and you're not going to get 36 people, especially people who focus on the Supreme Court and write about this every single day, to agree on anything unanimously. So, of course, in the discussions that the commission has had today, live on YouTube. Um, some people are, you know, disagree, think that this actually is a good solution. But the vast majority, and including what you can see in the language in the report, they notice all the potential problems and the obvious issues that would happen if you expanded the size of the Supreme Court. So in short, the commission, by the majority of them at least, are not open to this idea, and you're not going to see an endorsement in the final report. Yeah, and I did notice that there were uh, several components that uh, really spoke to this idea that expanding the court could actually undermine rather than enhance Uh, the legitimacy of the court and its role in our constitutional form of government. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you see some uh, inevitable um, options that would happen if you increase the size. And this is mentioned in the preliminary report as well. One, if you say, let's say Democrats would have a majority in both the House and the Senate, increase the size of the court. Well, Republicans return to power, they would do the same thing in turn. And you'd have this ping-ponging back and forth, either uh, expanding the court, reducing the size of the court. And the sort of going back and forth and expanding and contracting like a balloon is not going to help the perspective of the court and tie it more to politics, as which the goal of this 
you know, in short, the goal of this commission was to change, to lower the temperature surrounding the court and try to lessen the partisan view that these justices are playing politics rather than analyzing and scrutinizing the law. Yeah. And then uh, one of the other uh, components that I think everyone was kind of been watching and looking at is this idea of term limits. And the commission uh, seems uh, a little more open to such a thing. And I, I think you might have an opinion on that. <laughs> I, do, I do have an opinion on term limits. I, I've always been consistently concerned with term limits, though I'm often in the minority. Uh, yeah, the, the, the preliminary report does mention this tends to be one of the more popular and bipartisan reforms. The, the thing that report does a nice job is talking about the pros and cons. And this is a big report. It comes in five different sections. The preliminary report itself totals over 200 pages. There's a lot to digest. But with just the term limit section, which is the third chapter in this saga, uh, in this preliminary report, they do talk about the pros and cons. And some of my arguments have been, and they were saying, well, one of the big advantages and features, it would regularize the process. If you had, for instance, 18-year terms, you would have, in theory, two vacancies per president. It would be more routine. It wouldn't be unexpected. This would just be the way it is. It was really interesting to watch actually some of the discussion, which is happening now. And just recently, they were talking about this section of the term limits. And you're actually seeing more and more members of the commission, after reading this report, address some concerns, saying, well, maybe we don't want to necessarily tie election results to the Supreme Court. It almost seems like we're electing Supreme Court justices as well as presidents. Doesn't that make this more politicized rather than less politicized? And I argue I think they have very good points. So it'll be interesting to see the evolution of this discussion when the final report comes out next month. Yeah, that, that one is going to be really interesting because you would think, oh, if we have term limits, that takes it out of the politics. But it very well could, uh, as you said, make the elections solely uh, basis uh, on the basis of, you know, who's going to get to uh, a point, you know, if you have two that are going to age out, so to speak, or hit their term limit, uh, that would uh, really change the dynamic in some of the presidential conversations, uh, for sure. Right. And one of the commissioners even today brought up a really interesting point saying, look, you know, one, you know, one success that arguably President Trump had during the, the 20, the, the, his campaign was this list, naming here is a short list of potential Supreme Court nominees. He goes, what's to stop a future president from saying, look, if you vote for me, here's, here's my justice I'm going to nominate. I get two. They're right up here on stage with me. And people watching that on television, well, that doesn't seem very apolitical. And so you bring all sorts of very interesting problems. And of course, the Senate has the responsibility to confirm these nominees, not the president. So another commissioner brought a good point saying, well, look, the Senate is not a rubber stamp for the president. This idea of term limits and creating two automatic vacancies and then filling those vacancies supposes the opposite. Uh, And I think that is so important for people to really start thinking through. This is such a good example of why we have to think again on a lot of these things, because at first blush, say, oh, term limits. Yeah, that's a great idea. It'll make it less political, but it it well could make it much more uh, political. Uh, Anthony, before I let you go, I want to get uh, your take on kind of some of the other components to this. Uh, Obviously, the Supreme Court, uh, because of a lot of the things that are happening in Washington, the fact that Congress isn't doing its job and abdicating its power uh, to the executive branch, and the executive branch is all too happy to take that and then do things by executive order, uh, that puts things into the courts. And while we always focus on those that get all the way to the Supreme Court, Uh, You're suggesting that while the uh, Supreme Court is getting a lot of attention, uh, the whole system uh, could could use a good work over. 
Well, the, the sub- you can go back to kind of this, uh, this view from the founders. The whole principle of separation of powers assumed that all three political branches would be ambitious. And this ambition and the eight powers that each had would work in effect to check each other. But sometimes when you, you can get an imbalance and a lot of problems when you lack one um, branch necessarily lacks ambition, and not because they don't want to do well in life or have a career, but they don't want to use the powers that they're offered. And you mentioned uh, delegating authorities to the executive branch, not making important decisions, maybe when it comes to war, maybe when it comes to appropriations. There was a suggestion even recently about the debt ceiling. Oh, well, maybe we'll just um, defer to the executive branch and they can raise it and maybe Congress can vote on it later. That's not the way it's supposed to work. And if you have Congress that's not willing to legislate, which it's its primary role, then you have all sorts of problems. And people want things to happen. They want policies to be enacted. They want, to, they want help in their everyday lives. And they're going to go to the place that is more likely to grant them that. So if it's not the president, it's going to be the courts, which is, I think, why you're seeing more and more contentious court battles. Uh, such critical stuff. Uh, Anthony Markham, resident fellow in the governance program at the R Street Institute. Anthony, I always appreciate your perspective. This is an important one. We're going to have you back as this uh, starts to unfold a little bit more. And we see what formal recommendations come and what the White House chooses to do. Uh, much more to come when it uh, comes to the Supreme Court and other recommendations on the judiciary. Thanks for joining us today. You bet. Thank you for having me. And that's Anthony Markham. And, and this is, again, such a critical component of we have to think again and we have to go beyond the headlines. Uh, Anthony gave us a perfect example. Term limits for judges on the Supreme Court. Sounds good. Sounds logical. Sounds like a way to get the politics out of it. Uh, But not so fast. You got to think again because it actually could create a bigger politics. You could have potential Supreme Court nominees on political stages before someone who's running for president is even elected. Uh, That's a game changer. That undermines the confidence we have in the court and the system. And that's why we got to dig a little deeper, think a little harder and stay with the question just a little bit longer. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.